VoiceAmerica.com. And welcome to Radio by George with your host, NFL superstar, Eddie George. For the next hour, Eddie and his guests will enlighten, empower, and entertain you. Now here's the man of the hour, Eddie George. Woo! Hey, welcome to Radio by George. And that's right, I'm your host, Eddie George. And today we have a great lineup of guests coming on, some hot topics we want to talk about, some current issues some current affairs that's going on today. And before I get into that, I hope everybody had a great weekend. You know, I did. I did. I had I stayed at home all weekend, played a little softball in the Jeff Fisher uh, softball game, played with Vince Young, who was pitching a little bit. He should stick to just playing football. His pitches were bad, terrible. I played catcher, and I couldn't catch one of his pitches. But I struggled, to say the least, but I had a good time, a uh, great turnout. And I spent most of my weekend studying on my business finance, my project. I'm in school right now, uh, getting my master's in business, and these are my prerequisites. Just preparing myself for uh, Kellogg going into 2008, so I'm really excited about that. And while I was at school last week, my teacher pulled me to the side and asked me if I could come talk to a group of young men that he was mentoring. And these group of young men, they are... In high school right now, he took them from the fifth grade up until their juniors in high school right now and teaching them the essentials of business finance. And they're all black. They're black to like 12 black young men. And they are teetering on the fact of, well, do I want to continue to do this? Do I want to still push forward in, in understanding business finance because they were getting involved in sports and girls? And I basically said to, this, to, to them this, look, this is how the world works. You know, you understand the numbers, you are in good shape. And I was so excited to see young black men, or just kids in general, in this class partaking in this because they're taking time out of their schooling to get involved in this. So it was really inspiring to see that. I wish those young men very much success in their future because they're off to a great start, which inspired me to talk about our educational system that's going on today. Uh, What's really going on in our public school system? Uh, what, what, what's happening? Is the child left behind working? Um, are, are, are public schools equipped to prepare students for upward mobility? And who's falling through the, the cracks? I'm going to bring on my resident education expert from the University of uh, Georgia, Professor Dr. Jerome Moore. Dr. Jerome, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Eddie. How's everything hey, going? Man, doing well, man. I got, I got a little surprise for you, man. I just got this new little... Uh, thing here, so I'm gonna give you a nice little applause from my crowd here. Okay. <laughs> see if it works. Ah, uh, you get that? All right, I hear it. That yeah, good. yeah, man. Like enthusiastic, we're yeah. happy to have you on, man. That's the By George crowd. Enough of that. So, man, what's what's really going on in our public school systems? Well, one of the things, um, you know, that's a broad topic, and it really depends on which angle you want to take. And but one of the things that is going on is that we all know that. Education, you know, particularly for groups that have been disenfranchised in America, that public education has been a way of upward mobility or perceived upward mobility mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, um, when you think about urban education, 
or public education in general, that's really a, just a new phenomenon that really gained more prominence over the past 100 or so years. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that, and I want to speak specifically in terms of African-American people, you know, black people have, have often had to look at education as the major way up. Why? Because it wasn't like black people were inheriting wealth, you know, coming out of slavery. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, laws during the 19th, well, the early 20th century legally prevented black people from accumulating wealth in a way in which we could have. So education became a way in which we always would teach our children that if you get something up in your head, no one can take it from you. And also during slavery, if one was literate, could basically read or write, yeah. then one could chart his or her way throughout this country. And, right. and quite often many white people were illiterate. So we've always believed in public education. I have to preface my comments with that because we have a crisis right now. Mm. You know, and that crisis is that though we have these ideas about the hopes of public education, there are millions of black children, particularly low-income white children, also right. who are falling through the cracks. Right. And when we say not, falling, not a black or white issue. It is right. just like that, that low right. scale. Right. But anytime you have something, when you see something going on in America, mm-hmm. when it affects all groups, it already affected black people disproportionately, and then it's going to get to white people eventually, though. Mm-hmm. So, but my point of view is, black people in many ways become the barometer for gauging the health of this nation. Mm-hmm. You know, if we see black males have fallen by the wayside, we better watch out because other things are going to happen for other groups too. But the point I'm saying is that we need to be mindful earlier enough of, in terms of the issues that are particularly facing African-American people. And one of the things, like I'm in the state of Georgia, I'm leading a research study. I don't know if I told you this, mm-hmm. that focuses on issues of achievement. In terms, in a particular school system, I can't really talk about it. You know? Okay, but one of the things is that um, I'm finding out that you know the state of Georgia only like 43 percent of all black males who begin ninth grade graduate from high school. Mm. And so we're we're talking about um, you know 50 to almost 60 percent who are not. You know, and so those are some staggering numbers that's, because the question unreal. is, go ahead. I mean that 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 is absolutely unbelievable that not even half uh, are, are graduating from high school. Right, and the thing is, those are staggering numbers because what that means we ask the question: Well, where are they going? What's happening to them? Right. And we know we have you know the prison system, and you know it's filling up mm-hmm. with a lot of very healthy young black males, eighteen to twenty-five years of age. So that's part of the crisis. No child left behind has placed some stress, you know. The law President Bush signed into the bill he signed into law, mm-hmm. No Child Left Behind. It just placed a lot of stress on educators because one of the things that it has done is that though there has been this whole move to have rigor and accountability, you know, everybody likes to use that word now, mm-hmm. a lot of schools have struggled with, well, you tell us to make sure every child can take eighth grade, I mean, take algebra during the eighth grade, however. You know, do we have the resources to have the teachers who are able to prepare the children? In fact, are the children even prepared to take algebra when they even come here? Yeah. So this is, this is a very large issue, and the thing is that the federal government has pushed forth No Child Left Behind but, net, but did not provide states and schools and districts with the resources to ensure mm-hmm. that no child is left behind. So how can we 
have the resources? What are some of the, the, the ways we can better prepare the resources so we can so the kids can learn, so they can get ahead? Well, there, you know, when you try to approach something in terms of education, there are multiple ways, you know, on an individual basis, you know, parents can try to do what they can. And many of us will, particularly those of us who have the resources, that means the money, we can choose which schools our children go to, we can um, pay for public education, private education, or we can educate them ourselves, as many black people are doing. So one of the things, though, um, quite often, Children who are lower income mm-hmm. and who are primarily located in inner city communities, they don't have those resources. So it does require um, greater intervention on the part of the federal government to be engaged in terms of providing resources to school districts that have to deal with the poverty that they inherit in terms of children coming into the system. So the thing is, is that. I want to say another thing, Ed. I don't want to throw you off too much okay. here. Yeah, One of the other, there, man. I mean, we this is about <laughs> going, man. We, we just go with the flow, man. Right there it goes. There, let's go. One of the things that we expect about public education is that we look at public education as um, this. No, in terms of upward mobility, we think public schools should solve the problem. So, if you have poverty, if you have teenage delinquency, maybe we can put them in school, or maybe we can give people opportunities that schools will help people move from the lower class to the middle class. Mm. That's the assumption about public school. And if children come in, we expect schools to be able to solve the problems that society created. Right. And so that's one of the other dilemmas that we face anytime we talk about public education. For example, part of the reason why 40% only of black males graduate from high school in the state of Georgia is that you have some other issues going on, too. Mm-hmm. You know, those issues are things that have nothing to do with curriculum or the quality of the teacher, but those issues are what's going on in terms of the settings, the social settings the young people living in. Is there stress in those areas? Are there people who are able to give them support? Are mm-hmm. families um, broken up? Okay. Um, these are a number of other things that schools are really forced to deal with and so so you're saying that their schools like teachers are dealing more with being more or less counselors rather than teaching the subjects well one of the things that is really when i teach about the history of public education that has been one of the initial um purposes of schools really to um socialize people mm-hmm. not necessarily a lot of people look at public school about education but that is not the only purpose of public education it was you could become educated in the process mm-hmm. but in terms of when you think about the historical function of schools schools also played a role in socializing people who otherwise would be like outcasts in the society yeah. so mm-hmm. you know dealing with people like particularly immigrants when a lot of immigrants came from Europe european immigrants um were speaking different languages had different cultures, particularly those from Eastern and Southern Europe. Schools, in fact, were expected to socialize them and help them assimilate mm. into American society. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that's how it's worked for European immigrants. But in terms of the formerly enslaved black people, we looked at education as a way towards freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... It's pretty interesting history. I know it'll take me another day or two to talk about it. Go ahead, man. 
No, but you, you say that, and it, it absolutely it is. It is a way toward freedom. It, it, it totally frees your mind to all the possibilities that you can that you, that you can achieve. You know, when you think of uh, when I when I look at my own personal situation of going back to school, you know, I I thought that going to the NFL and I had in, uh, people handling my investments, I had a pretty good sense of a business sense, but I didn't truly understand the numbers behind it and how decisions are made and, and really breaking down case studies and understanding, uh, f- finding solutions to business problems. And that's, that's where the, the value is, you know. And, and that's why I really gotta go back to these kids, you know, getting that financial literacy, that's freedom. And that's when you're not afraid to take that calculated risk because you understand it now. That's you right. Know, so, so now, you know, I, I totally agree with you. We have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more with my main man, Jerome, about education and a few other hot topics. One thing, the the famous song, Barack Obama. Hmm. And get his thoughts on that in a minute, y'all. So stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. The Cherry Douglas Show with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Cherry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Cherry Douglas Show. Join Cherry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Cherry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com 
You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Welcome back to Radio by George. I'm your host, Eddie George, and please feel free to call in at any point in time if you want to chime in on the conversation or you have any opinions that we're talking about today, please feel free to call in at 866-472-5787. That's if you're not looking at the screen. I'm on with Dr. Jerome, and we were just talking about our educational system. And sometimes when you look at it, when I was growing up, Doc, it wasn't cool to be smart. Okay. You know, uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, and okay. if we talked a certain way, we talked intelligently, we're acting white. So oh, sometimes yeah. Sometimes you find that a lot of black children are gifted academically, and they don't, they're afraid to excel to higher levels because of the peer pressure. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that does, um, that, that's partly, that does occur. And one of the things that I'm doing, you know, I try to figure out in my research whether, you know, is that something that's unique to the culture of black people? You know, is it something that um, we can say the structure of schools created, you know? And one of the things that um, I've heard people say that a lot. You know, I grew up in Birmingham, and I saw some different things. It wasn't, we were in an all-black school, so they didn't say acting white. Mm-hmm. You know, some people would say that you act a nerd or even call some children gay sometimes, you know, yeah. particularly black males who were high-achieving. And so um, I think by being an athlete, that kind of neutralized some of that for me. But one of the things is that that's something that um, occurs in the no sense that children who are high-achieving get accused of acting white. And a lot of times we equate acting white with language patterns yeah. and um, being speaking standard English. But one of the things I'm finding now, some researchers, um, there's a sister up at Harvard, who had done some work, and she said it wasn't like the black children were acting white or accusing their friends of acting white because they were high-achieving. Mm-hmm. She said that those who were high-achieving spent most of their time with the white children. Yeah. And by hanging out with the white children and socializing with the white children, in fact, they ended up really talking like the white children. Right. So she tried to say, don't look at it as acting white because of achievement, but acting white in terms of one style, That's you know. What you're yeah. you understand? So we have to kind of, as researchers, we've got to be careful about just saying some children are accusing others of acting white because of that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, though, too, man, is um, schools are part of that issue, too. So I'm not going to just yeah, throw it at man. the children. Exactly. Because, for example, if we're in a school, say if you're in Nashville, you're in a school that's 50-50 black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you've got a school 50-50 black and white, that looks good. It's integrated. But why is it that you only have one black child in the advanced placement class in history or something mm-hmm. or in a calculus class or, you know, so the point I would make is that though the school looks good on the surface, racially integrated, 
by only having that one black child in there, particularly if it's a black male, he's going to be like, man, I'm not going to be in there if Jamal's not going to be in there with me. That's right. I want my boys in there with me. So they want, they want to, exactly, they want to be around their boys. And, and, and we know peer, peer group influence is crucial. Strong, man. You know, so, so that's how schools contribute to the problem also. So um, I hear a lot of people say things, well, you know, black people have anti-intellectualism. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not valuing education. You know, the children are not putting emphasis, or parents not putting emphasis on education. And what I'm trying to do in some research that I'm doing, I'm really trying to address those issues because I know it's more complicated than that. How do I know? Mm-hmm. I look at it like this. I say, well, maybe this notion of um, being uh, hating on some children now for achieving, maybe that's something that's going on right now because from my understanding of the history of black people, you know, it's more like during the um, 1930s, 40s, and 50s, the whole history of black people, black people were fighting for education, mm-hmm. fighting for education. It's so like why dying is it dying for education? And dying. That's, right. That's what I'm saying, getting beaten down. So right. why is it now that have we shifted? Do we think we've arrived? So those are the kinds of questions I think we have to raise now. But, but not only that, do you feel like there's still a strong racial divide? In this between you know education in terms of you look at a lot of situations that are going on today in current affairs, right? At um, the Barack Obama situation, right? On the internet, right? Uh, the I miss situation, right? You know, he'll be saying, do you still feel like there is a strong racial divide in our society today? Well, we know that, you know, most black folks thought O.J. should have gotten off, and most white people thought he should have been guilty. Yeah. I mean, it was just strictly split down the line, black and white. Mm-hmm. So as a country, I think what we have to do is just be honest about race, man, and that is um, we hadn't really effectively dealt with it. People don't even know how to talk about it. And so it's not an issue of whether um, racism or racial inequalities exist. They do. It's just that Black people have a perception, and we often think more racism occurs than occurs. White people think less racism occurs than occurs. You know, and so we are dealing with that reality. And the other thing, though, too, is that we are in a society that historically has been racially separated or yeah. stratified. And so in terms of overcoming that requires a healthy discussion on race and racism, that which unfortunately as a country we have not really seriously dealt with. No. You know, I teach PhD students, man. Some of them struggle with it. And they're yeah. supposed they're expected to be enlightened or open minded about these things. So just imagine Joe blowing it on the street trying to talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were your thoughts about the uh the Obama crush video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it was pretty. Um, well, I can take multiple perspectives, and that's probably the route. I'm not, I don't know if I want to get pinned down on that because I got to dissect it, you know. But since you asked me this on the spur of the moment, <laughs> the only thing I can say is um, when I saw it, um, I, I thought, well, maybe somebody's trying to set him up. Yeah. Then the other thing I thought, I said, hey, that's pretty creative on the part of the girl. She was looking like a Leah to me. I yeah. thought the flow was like a Leah. <laughs> and so I say it's creative in terms of artistry. Yeah. If you look at it from that vantage point. Well, but, it was. It really because was. I, I was telling somebody, I said, I can't imagine that anybody else thought about that idea. Because that was so unique. But then I looked at it, and you can look deeply into it. You know, I was first thing I thought, man, what's what's that man white saying about this? Yeah, yeah. You know, that comes across your mind, too, because 
it was a, it was disrespectful toward the one, his wife, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, my whole way of looking at it is this: that I just but say, got to know that the Rock being in that situation, he's a good looking man. She has to take that as a compliment because he right. comes to him every night. I think as a dude, you know? as a, a guy, would take it as a compliment. Yeah. I don't care who he is. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I but mean, personally, I, I thought I thought the song was hot. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it was catchy, the catchy phrase. It was very uh, catchy. It was, it was, it was, it was done all right. I mean, it, again, I didn't see, you know, a point where it was like, well, she's she's calling him out, saying he's that she's been with him. No, she's saying mm-hmm. that she has a crush on him. She has a crush in in a many ways. You can think about it as a young girl. She's younger. Yeah. And anyway, I thought it was fairly attractive, you know. And the thing is, is that. What she was just doing was expressing through YouTube because hey, technology has changed this it thing. Totally changed. So she could express and um, she put together her own little thing. And you know, I think as a man, and I think maybe that's the nature of men: automatic flattery, no matter how big we are, you know, politically, economically. But at the same time, um, you also have to be mindful of other forces operating here, mm-hmm. and that is, is um. Could something like this work against him? Would um? Yeah, do you think it work? will work against him? Well, I don't quite know. I think one of the things that is going to occur is that young people are looking at that. Young people are going to become influenced by that. I think on oh, the yeah. positive, you know. And so when these young people become influenced, they're checking that out, and that's how they see him. See, he's a young, he's a a candidate. That can appeal to young people. No question. Because I've heard him speak a lot of times. You hear people speaking from Harvard, who Harvard trained. You know, you know about his experience. He even grew up. His mother is white, father is African. But when I heard him speak, I said he knows how to speak straight to people across race and across economic lines. So he has a gift. And that gift is being able to communicate across racial mm-hmm. and gender lines. And so I wouldn't be surprised a lot of young people decide to vote for him if there's some type of movement around him. Okay. Yeah. Well, check it out. I have somebody online waiting right now to join the discussion. Okay, great. This very topic. Uh, this gentleman is a great man. He's a talk veteran, a producer, actor. He is the weaver of dreams. i like to introduce people to the show, Jeff Obafemi Carr. Gentlemen, Jeff, how are you? What's up, man? Hey, man, I'm I'm cruising as usual. I'm <laughs> honored to be on the show with with such esteemed company as Eddie George and Dr. Jerome Morris, man. What's going on, brother? How you doing? All right. Oh, man, I'm excited to be on Voice America. Y'all talking about the hottest song on the Internet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, so what, what is your, what's your thoughts about it? Oh my goodness! I know. I know we can get into this after the break, especially. And I, I really like to get other people's comments, especially. I guess being in talk radio, I like to hear people talk, and we'll get into that. But man, you know, I I found myself torn listening to the song, and <laughs> I got on YouTube last night because I've been hearing about it, gotten emails about it, and it's mm-hmm. something that people have been talking about it all, talking about all over the nation. And I went ahead and got on YouTube last night and clicked on the link. And at that time, there had been about 1,600,000 views of of it. And this was late last night. Uh, This morning, I got up to just kind of watch it again. And there were 1 million, almost 1,900,000 between last night. So almost 300,000 people viewed it just overnight. 
And uh, I'll be honest, man, I was torn because I found myself nodding my head to it. And uh, with the beat, yeah, man, it was, <laughs> it was hot, man. It was hot. It was, it was. I thought it was nice. It had a great hook, and I hated it, man. When it started singing that Barack Obama, I was like, oh my goodness, it's a textbook modern hip hop song. Now, the political context that it's in, right. however, is going to bring up uh, some of the controversy that I think you're seeing and you're hearing nationwide, mm-hmm. and that is what is going to be. The, what's going to be the positives, what are going to be the negatives that are coming out of this as it relates to Obama as a candidate. Right. And I thought it was, it's an interesting song. And I think the context, though, of a white woman singing this hip-hop song in those little bitty shorts <laughs> and, and just the whole story of taking off her Kerry T-shirt and, and being struck by yeah. Obama and showing Obama in the ocean with his shirt off, you know, <laughs> running and the kind of model picture... I thought it was it was hilarious parody on one hand, and for me as a as a creative artist, I see that and kind of kind of have to give it nods to that. This girl's going to be famous over the video. Yeah, obviously. she's going to get a record deal from this. She's going to get a record deal yeah. or something. Check it out. Deal. We're going to talk some more about this specific topic and others in a minute, y'all. So stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. The Cherry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Cherry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Cherry Douglas Show. Join Cherry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Cherry Douglas 
Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. And welcome back to Radio by George. Please, please don't be afraid to call in and chime in on the conversation. I believe we left off at uh, my man Barack Obama in his in his crush video <laughs> that I think is is brilliant. But you know, I don't personally. I don't think it's going to hurt him. You don't think so? I, no, I, I don't, I don't know. So. I don't think it's going to hurt him, but it could turn. I, and I, what I'd be interested in gauging is if people think. It's that big of a deal. Obviously, almost two million people have seen it already on on YouTube. But is it that big of a deal that you have a white female singing a hip hop parody song about Barack Obama that's really not saying anything particularly negative, right. but yet and still could possibly cause a controversy like what um, the the Call Me commercials that faced Harold Ford Jr. in the election in Tennessee. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same thing. It's like the image. It tarnishes the image of he's a womanizer and he's married. I mean, just the look. I mean, of course, the content is I have a crush. is innocent. But, you know, when you see that uh, a young white girl in the shorts. Let me ask you this, Carl. Let me ask you this. Had she been black, would it be a bigger issue? Had she been black? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't think it would have been that big of an issue. I think that it would have just been just another parody video that probably wouldn't have gotten wouldn't have gotten really? as much play. I don't think it would have, but I think the fact that it is a white female and she is singing in with a hip hop very urban flavor and it's very the music is it's it's very catchy and the fact that she's doing the you know hottie shorts with Obama's name on the back of them. I mm-hmm. think that does place it in another context. Hey, let me chime in here, man. One of the things, though, Jeff, I know you mentioned white. Don't you think they kind of make you figure out what kind of race she is? Because there's like a Latino look to her or something to me. Yeah, and early from on. What I saw, so she looks hip-hop-ish. Mm. You know, she looked hip-hop-ish to me. Looked like she's part of this um, generation here, the hip-hop generation. And so in many ways, in terms of the help, Right, I think Eddie made a good point about it being innocent. This notion of having a crush, but isn't it? Could this be a way of bringing in a lot of young people who might have been otherwise apathetic mm-hmm. about the political mm-hmm. process? Wow, you yeah. know that's one of the things yeah. to think about. Yeah, I think I think that Barack Obama does draw people to the through the to the table that haven't been there before. Mm-hmm. When you talk about his status, and people use the word rock star. And that kind of thing. If you think about it, it's not as uh, it's not as unpopular, uh, or it's not as it's not too much different from the whole flavor that the Kennedy boys had exactly. back in the fifties and sixties. They were very much guys that people perceived, especially women in America at the time, perceived as young, intelligent people with model mm-hmm. good looks. 
and of course that that led to controversy in their administration. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, they were on the chain. A number of relationships that didn't that Bill Clinton could not come close to matching, but. Still, he struck a chord. Kennedy struck a chord with a lot of females, and even when Clinton was there, uh-huh. I personally heard and interviewed people on the radio and talked to people all over the street who said that they were going to vote for Bill Clinton because they thought he was cute. Mm. And that's very much a factor sometimes in elections. As much as people don't want to discuss that, that's very much a factor. A person's you know attractiveness, if they can really uh, inspire that with people as well as be intelligent and, and very much focused on the issues, mm-hmm. that can tip the scales in your favor, and that can work out here. Right, and Barack, as you said, having that charisma, charisma. and that's the kind of thing, you know, he's a charismatic leader or personality, and that is, I think that was an excellent example in terms of making that parallel with the Kennedys there. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, well, you know, I, I, I totally agree, too. I think, uh, again, I love the video. I like the music. Me, me having that, that background as a DJ, trying to download and, you know, my Serato system and rock it in the club or something like that, I want to do that. But I'm going to shift gears a little bit. All right. Let's talk about uh, Angelina Jolie playing a black woman in the movie, in Mighty Heart. Mm. Do you think that's a, a slap in the face of a lot of black actresses that are out there? Well, yeah, I'll bite on that and and just think that, you know, when it comes down to it, you have to ask, uh, you have to ask the question, why? Mm -hmm. Uh, A Mighty Heart is a film for people who might not have seen it and obviously uh, debuting on over 1,500 screens and pulling in uh, just over a million dollars. Obviously, a lot of people have not seen it (laughs) since it Mm -hmm. came out. It, It is not doing well in the box office. The critics have been... Uh, soft on the film and Angelina Jolie's performance, but uh, if you haven't seen or heard, A Mighty Heart is taken from the biography of the same name of Marianne Pearl, who was mm. the widow of Daniel Pearl, the Wall Street Journal correspondent who was murdered by uh, the extremists, the Islamic extremists, a while back. And she is a, a biracial woman in real life. She is of Afro-Cuban. Uh, lineage and Dutch lineage, and so Angelina Jolie is playing her. And to be frank, there are a lot of people say, "Well, Angelina Jolie is kind of black because she got those full lips." Mm-hmm. You know, we hear that kind of thing all the time <laughs> when we talk to people. But uh, in reality, she did uh, have to come up with an accent, and she did have to put on makeup. That a lot of people, uh, critics in the circles of, of actor circles and producer circles, are saying re- is relatively blackface. To, to play this role. Now, it helps that her husband, uh, Brad Pitt, is the producer and his company put this mm. movie together, but mm. it does raise the question, are there other actresses out there who would have fit the bill better naturally uh, in, oh. in, say, Halle Berry, who, who is biracial, or somebody like that? And that's something I, I wonder what people would think about that. Well, Carl, we have a caller who might just add our information from New York City. Oh, New York, Miss Taylor. Miss Taylor, are you on the line? Hey, how you doing? I'm on the line. Hey, how hey. you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are y'all? Doing we great. Doing, doing good. good. Thanks for calling in. No doubt. No doubt. So y'all talking about this um, Barack Obama song, and my two cents on the whole situation is that, um, on the contrary to what what has been said, I think the the song is totally inappropriate. I think it's 
It has no musical redeeming value. Um, I I don't think it's innocent. I mm. think it's I think it's supposed to, and I think it's trying to generate all the ideas and feelings that we're discussing right now. What, I think it's I think it's it's trying to generate ideas about Barack Obama that will make him seem like less of a, 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 um, a good candidate. A, a good candidate for mm-hmm. a presidency. Um, not only is it disrespectful to his wife, but it's disrespectful to him. And historically, black men have always been seen um, or have always been, um, they've always tried to portray black men um, to lust after white women. And so here you are, you got a video, a music video female bouncing around in suggestively sexual clothes, you know, trying to generate these these ideas about Barack Obama that would tarnish his image. So I don't I, I think it's definitely um a part of the whole media machine. Um mm. I don't I don't think it's just some some girl innocently making a song. I think um she's probably got support. She's probably got people behind her. You know what I'm saying? You don't see this happening to any other candidate. You know, you know, of course this is the African American president um getting this kind of attention. I'm not surprised at all. And I'm I'm definitely disappointed. So I hope and um <laughs> I pray that somehow she and her efforts are thwarted and you know, she's um definitely eliminated so that this doesn't hurt his his presidency and his his, his campaign. Can I and that's you? my two cents on the matter, y'all. Have a good day. Hey, you there? You still there? You still I'm there. here. I want to ask you a quick follow-up, if you don't mind, because I thought about this myself, and as a, as a media guy and a producer, I've, I've been going back and forth with this question. Do you think it would have been different? Would you still have the same feelings if the video was by Mary J. Blige or Eve or Alicia Keys or somebody of African American descent and said and did the same thing? I don't. I think if any of the ladies that you mentioned would have done a song like that, I think they probably would have done it in a more respectful manner that would not have been as sexually suggestive. I think the okay. problem is that this young girl is is bouncing around in a way that is, is generating some ideas about Barack Obama that are not as clean cut, you know, not as, as good for his image. I think if Alicia Keys or Mary J. Blige or a sister, period, would have made a song like that, I think she would have been careful not to disrespect him or his wife. Mm. You know, because that's that's sacred to us. We don't we don't step over those boundaries. I'm saying sisters in the industry. I wouldn't I wouldn't think that they would. Now, but what if it wasn't somebody in the industry? Let's say it was an up and coming artist that was hungry for a success, and it was the same exact context, same exact everything, but she was black. Would there still be a problem? Well, if if it was the same exact message, same black girl dancing around trying to be, you know, suggestively sexual and everything, um, that probably would have it probably would generate the same feelings of of um Barack Obama not being as faithful a man as we would want him to be. But, to but it wouldn't be as popular as it is right now, right? Correct? Um I don't think it would. I don't think it would be as popular because, once again, historically and and in in media, in movies, in film, in television, if you if you set up a situation where the character is a black male and and his his interest is is a, a white female, it it sends off 
some kind of um, alarms and bells and whistles to American society that 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 you know it it, um, it generates some 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 ideas about that black male that mm-hmm. is like okay black males lust after white females right. it, it generates those ideas. Can, can I, one of the things I agree, I'm a professor, sister, I deal with these kinds of issues. I teach, I taught a course called Black Masculinity and deal with those kinds of issues, the notion of race and sex. Really, one of the things that's difficult is that um, to imagine another example that could even mirror this. Why? Because we have a white woman and a black man, mm-hmm. period. And we know that has a history behind it. You know, so I think you're right. You're right in that regard. But one of the things that... Um, we have to do, and that's why we're having this intelligent discussion on this, is be able to look at these multiple points. And that is, does it always become a white woman lusting after, a, a black man lusting after the white woman? We flip the script here. The white woman is lusting after the black man in power. Hey, hey Doc, hey, doc go ahead. hold on to that thought for one quick second. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish more on the topic of Barack Obama and the crush video. This is a love, a love, a healthy discussion. We'll talk about this more in a minute, y'all. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. 
And welcome back to Radio by George. I'm on with Dr. Jerome Morris, Jeff Carr, and Miss Taylor from New York City. Is that right, Miss Taylor? <laughs> I think Miss Taylor may be gone. Man. Oh, she's we have to gone. Take some more callers, yeah. Oh man, she was but, a lot of fun. But she raised a lot. She raised a lot of interesting points, and, and I'd I'd love to hear if anybody else has other perspectives because uh, I think Jerome, you were on it right. when you said. That mm-hmm. for the first time, we don't have a context of just the black male lusting after the white female. We have the white female lusting after the black male. And I also wonder if it would be as controversial if, say, Eddie, you decided to create a song and to make a video mm-hmm. of, say, you lusting after Hillary Clinton <laughs> the same way. <laughs> I don't think she would like that. Yeah. I, I mean, what, really what like kind that. of play would we get, though? If, we, if, if, if there was a, a video produced of a young, like, say, for instance, a, a guy like a, a neo-type or a guy with, you know, with a, he's, a, you know, just a young 20-year-old African-American with no shirt and a gold chain on, and he created a hip-hop song lusting after Hillary and showing her at the beach and that kind of thing, would we, would it, would it cause a, a controversy like this has? Mm-hmm. Right. right. I think that that's. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. it's difficult to imagine that because one of the things that um, what is occurring, and there is some serious race sexual type things going on here. For example, that video suggests when we think deeply about it that the black man who's in power, the one who can really bring him down, is a white woman, though. You know, because he has power. And we think about historical examples of um, things like that that divided the black community. And I think as a community, the black community is going to struggle with this kind of issue, too. It's very similar to when, um, you know, Frederick Douglass, the top black leader during the 1800s, mm-hmm. decides to take a white woman as a wife. Wow. Here he was a champion, the great abolitionist. But he takes a white woman as a wife, and then there was friction, tension within the community. So we have an example here, oh, a black man, potential we president. We have a caller calling in. We have somebody yeah. calling in. Uh, sorry about that, Jerome. That's all right. Hey, Trina, I think we have Trina from Maryland on the line. Yes. Hey, Trina, how you doing today? What's up? What's going on? Nothing. Do you have any comments or we'll be timing on the conversation? Yes, definitely. I share uh, Miss Taylor's thoughts on the <laughs> um, video. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, I, so you didn't like the video? Well, I, no, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, I, I felt where she was coming from because secretly, you know, I have a crush on him, too. So <laughs> I, oh, okay. I, I so that's the a, problem. I didn't make a song or anything about it. But what kind of perturbed me is all last week, I mean, it was on The View. It mm. was on the news station of every major network. Mm. I mean, and then with Jeff just saying it was, it's almost been viewed two million times. You know, with that whole MTV generation with their rock the vote and these 18-plus people are voting, you know, they kind of get lost in really the issues and get more into the popularity thing. Mm-hmm. You know, those two million views could be that whole target audience of that MTV generation who would literally vote because they like the YouTube, you know, video. You know, as an 18-year-old, so that, that, would, work, that would work in his favor, though, right? Don't you think? Well, I don't, I don't know if it'll hurt him or help him. I don't think him. it's going to hurt him. I really don't. Well, because there are some young girls who might not like that, you know, and there's some young guys who I understand what you're saying who may love it. But you know, you know you, but again, you know, you talk about you look at the 
situation where there's a young white girl talking about she has a crush on Barack Obama. I mean, realistically, you know, we have the issues in America where they're the, the race and everything else, our whole history is based off of that. But at some point in time, you got to look beyond it. And, and that's what, that, from my perspective, I think it was, I think it was funny. I didn't take it seriously. It's not like she's saying, well, Barack had me in penthouse room 108 and he did all this to me and here's the video of it. It's, it's like a more of a, a friendly crush type of thing. Right. And I, think, I, I, and I think in order for us to move on from race, we got to look beyond that stuff. Yeah, but I think it could have done, like what Miss Taylor was saying, more tastefully. And oh, then yeah. what Jeff was saying about if Mary J. Blige or Eve, if they would have done it, they would have done it tastefully, tastefully because they wouldn't have been wearing booty shorts with Obama on But we're talking about an artist that's, un- that's unheard of. I don't even know if she sang the song, but she was, she's a simple girl from a simple town who has a crush on Barack. And I'm, I'm pretty sure thousands, including yourself, have a crush on Barack, and she's expressing that. Right. Randy was in some tight shorts, okay? And young <laughs> girls wear tight shorts today, so let's, let's keep it real. All right? You see oh, wow. it walking down the street in D.C., wherever you are, Nashville, wherever you are, you see it every day. Well, here's what happens. Yeah, one, one of the things I want to say is that if it had been done tastefully, though, mm-hmm. we wouldn't even be talking about it. No, it wouldn't. We wouldn't have. But that's, that's the point. We're yeah, all talking about it. So, Trina, thank you for coming on. Thank you, appreciate your comments. And this brings me to one of my favorite parts of the show. This is the fabulous five questions. Now, who wants to be the person to answer the fabulous five questions today? You, Jerome, or Jeff Obama from Um. I'll defer to Dr. Morris if you want. I'll, I'll try it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I think it. I'm going to go with Jeff. I think I'm going to go with Jeff. Okay. I think I'm going to go I with Jeff. I tried to defer it, so I got it. Hey, so I'll, take, I'll take it if, you, if I have to. So when go. you come on next time, when you come on next time, I'll get you. Okay, that'll work. Okay. All right? All right. Yes. All right, I want to, Dr. Jerome, I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for uh, your comments and your perspective on education and also on Barack. Right. So, Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jeff, are you ready? I am prepared. I, I guess I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Let's All go. All right, brother. Here we go. not going to be too hard, man. What do you consider your greatest achievement? My greatest achievement? I think my greatest achievement, and it probably was, was by no uh, purposeful action of my own other than my nature, but uh, was the genetic contribution to my daughter and uh, being able to assist in bringing her into the world healthy and uh, in a great state of mind. So I think that's the greatest thing that could ever be. I could be attached to. So I think it's God's achievement, but I'm attached to it in some kind of genetic way. So I'm happy about that. How do you define integrity, and do you have it? Hmm. Integrity is being able to be there for people you love and respect and to be so in a non-judgmental way. And I believe I have it, and I believe I at least try to practice it as best as I can. What are the biggest myths about marriage? That it's, that love is enough. <laughs> that when you fall in love, you're stricken, 
and you're going to be that way forever and smitten. And I think that's one of the biggest myths, that, that love is enough to conquer all. I've learned through some pretty rough times that love is great as a foundation, but I think older people will tell you that compatibility matters also in, in, the, in the larger scheme of things. So I say, yeah, that love will conquer all. You need a lot more than love. What's the most beautiful drive you've ever taken? The most beautiful drive I've taken... Uh, through the mountains of North Carolina. That's the answer? Yeah, that's the answer. All I mean, right. there, there was a beautiful drive along the lake shore, uh, or along the seaside in the Bahamas, but it was like the middle of the night, the cat driving this broken-down cab was 86 years old, <laughs> and he couldn't see, and we almost ran off, and we were doing like 90. So it was a great scene, scenic drive, but it almost... You know, we almost died that night, and that's traumatic <laughs> for me. So I go to North Carolina for that. All right, last question. Is this the end? This is the beginning. Ah, with that being said, Jeff Obafemi Carr, thank you for joining us on the show. This is this our latest edition to Radio by George. Yeah. And so next time, same hour, same place, come join me and my guests into my world. Peace. We hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of Radio by George. If you have a question or comment for Eddie and just can't wait until next Monday, you can email him at info at radiobygeorge.com. Selected emails will be read on the air so your voice can be heard worldwide. Be sure to listen live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. See you next week.